If you'd like to support the show, don't forget to rate us five stars, shop at our merch store, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Special thanks to our patrons, M. Trichkovsky and Tony Irons. To become a patron, go to patreon.com slash what's my thesis. If the only labor that's worth anything to me is the work that I do that gets money, then most of my life, the things that have made me most miserable are the things that have most value. And like, how the fuck are you? Like, seriously, does that, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. That's a good point. I like it. Welcome to What's My Thesis. I am your host, Javier Poenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview and ask what's my thesis. And today, my guest is Samuel Sharp. And uh, how are you doing, man? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I've been, uh, we're in full summer swing right now. So we are actually trying to hold the line right now with a very, very stuffy space. But the sound, <laughs> sound is most important and the show must be, must be impeccable. I have to say, I'm, I'm very impressed with that setup. Thank was, you. That's about an hour in of labor, <laughs> you know, to come have a chat. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. I, I, I appreciate it. Mm. <clears throat> you're, you're, you're ruining the movie magic. And I, I, I woke up like this with this place set up. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we just, this show put itself together. Yeah. Too. We didn't, we no, didn't it's, do it. it's super easy. <laughs> now it's turning bitter. <laughs> It went from being like, thank you, to like, oh, yeah, you ingrates. Uh, all right, man. Well, I kind of know you a little bit because we met through your wife, uh, Megan. Yep. And she was on the show. I don't know. At this point, she's probably going to come out before you for sure. I'm just going to have to space you out by like a couple months. Yeah, that's, that's totally cool. No, but I mean, you're not the first couple that I, I, I have. Like right now, I'm just interviewing all my friends. And if they're a couple, I'm like, well, that's kind of yeah. dick to not invite the spouse, you know? I actually have to say, Megan got her interview and I was like, damn, I, I hope I get it. <laughs> yeah, I know. that. Well, that's one of the things that they say about artist relationships, that it can sometimes get competitive. So I don't want to play any part in that. Everybody's always welcome on the show. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if two people are married, usually they're both interesting or at least have the same similar interests. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Megan and I at this point, um, <laughs> he's leaving now. Bye. Uh, we've uh, Bye. been doing this for, you know, married on off. I mean, married on off. You can do no, that. <laughs> well, relationship wise, I mean, since we were 26 and yeah, and we got married, um, almost 10 years into our relationship. So we had already established kind of our, the way that we wanted to operate in, in the art world and, and, mm -hmm. and what our goals and, and, um, aspirations were, uh, pretty early. And then, um, uh, moving out to California and I mean, I mean, I'm sure we can get into this, but we've, we've started a lot of, um, artist run spaces together. Oh, cool. And, yeah. And we, we've kind of always been doing that. So this show is just another, um, iteration of kind of the show that we're in right now. Yeah. And what's the show called? Uh, all my friends are architecture. Okay. Uh, organized by Megan. Okay. You know, I think. And she, uh, just, for people who don't remember, she organized the show at a, at, um, what was it called? At the Monta Vista Project. 
Yeah. Yeah. That you were also in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's just that kind of, um, we've always had that, um, longevity of a DIY kind of, uh, vibe of how we put shows together when shows happen for what reason. And, you know, this is, for example, this is something she had kind of in the, in the back burner of her brain for a while. Yeah. And then inevitably, because we are so close and married and have the history we have and the, I think, um, naturally kind of rub off on each other's patina a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, we're included in shows. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but it's also interesting to me, you know, cause I think that I'm trying to think about the couples that I've interviewed and mm-hmm. I think most of them are not, um, like they are not, uh, in the same field. Uh, sure. you know, like you guys are a little bit different in that you have a slightly different, um, oh, sorry, hold on. And we're about, uh, just so everyone knows we're about 10 feet off of Pico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so you hear that little, in the background. It gets a little busy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so okay. So let me just revamp, restart that sure, whole thing. Absolutely. The um, the I think what is there's a few things that we've landed on that is I think is an interesting conversation because especially right now I am dating and I'm on the apps and I tend to prefer to meet people that would rather be where I go, which is Monta Vista and all that art galleries, right? Yeah. Um. And so, but at the same time, you always hear about the competition between people. Um, and you guys are, of all the couples that I've interviewed, um, are maybe the most like in the same realm because you, I mean, you essentially show in the same show sometimes, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so that's interesting. I wonder if you guys were both like, you know, blue chip gallery level artists if that, you know, and, you know, like how that dynamic would change. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's not to say that it's easy because like, I'm not diminishing your relationship no. in any way. I'm just saying that, like, I wonder where that even comes from. Maybe that's just a stereotype that like the idea that artists can't have relationships together because of the competition. So throughout this relationship and, and uh, multiple friends who are artists of uh, friends of ours <clears throat> have gone in and out of relationships. And I think it is, it is a real issue, right? Like the idea of competition of, of, of who is doing better and when and how and the, the writing of the flux of what artists' trajectories are like <clears throat> for sure come up. Megan and I pretty early on uh, said to ourselves a, c- a couple things, which is like we, I find value and trust and and support in you being an artist, <laughs> and, and vice versa, right? Like, I'm just la- so I'm sorry, I was just laughing at that. <laughs> no, I was I was <laughs> laughing at the fucking thing, and I just ruined something that you actually said that was really um, good. Now I feel bad. <laughs> and uh, and and then like we don't want to have kids. Like there's these things that came up very early in our relationship that were like secure points of like this is how i would like to continue to operate yeah both as an artist and as a partner and um that that uh, that synced up very well with what megan was also looking for and then i think over time you know i i'm not gonna deny that like sometimes i get jealous if she gets an interview yeah. or like <laughs> you know these things but it's also changed a lot you know we we've went into a different 
um, a couple different cities, a couple different art markets. We've seen kind of where our work fits and where it doesn't fit, what, when it clicks and when it doesn't. And that, um, you know, the, the real impetus for us to come to LA was that we had got to a point in DC where we just felt like we couldn't get anywhere else, mm. you know, and we're not blue chip artists. Yeah. And um, I don't think it would be the same if yeah. we were, because I've seen that also play it with other relationships, other artists that I know and have worked with. Um, just so everybody knows, I have a long history in working in galleries and museums. Mm. I've been doing that for about 20 years. So I've seen the, the behind the curtains kind of part of that and how it breaks down. And I think um, there's a part of being an artist that's naturally narcissistic. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> I mean, and I have and, a podcast. <laughs> you can't get enough of it. You're like, please watch my show. <laughs> Love me and my art. <laughs> <laughs> uh no but that's interesting actually this is you know this is actually kind of like uh dating coaching that you're doing right now <laughs> a little bit and, and well, yeah. i fell into that with a couple of friends who are yeah. like i can't do it i can't date another fucking artist yeah because they only want that part of their life and i don't fit into the equation and um pretty naturally with megan and i it was it was just like i i not only do i not i i don't feel that real deep-seated uh competition in the sense of like <sighs> clearly we work together mm -hmm. we're in shows together we rub off on each other's practice but i think it's for the better mm -hmm. and i have tried to date artists in the past and it didn't work out and i have tried to date um civilians civilians if you will <laughs> and that definitely doesn't work out because there's just a way that i think and I work that I think um, it bothers artists much less it bothers someone who um, doesn't know why I would do what I do. What, what do you mean about that? Like, what I mean, do do? I mean, for example, like making a piece that no one's going to notice and, and it might not even, they might walk by, like it's not directly um, engaging this kind of typical understanding of walking into a gallery, hanging a painting on a wall, mm -hmm. selling it. You know, and, and for people like I can describe it, there's, yeah. the, you know how like sometimes there's like rustic pipes that are sticking out of yeah. like the ground at galleries. <laughs> well, there's two of them that are real and then one that's a fake one that he yeah. made. And it, it, it's, it is an interesting thing because it's almost like you're making art for yourself in a very, it, it, you know, like, uh, like, <laughs> like, you know that it's happening and maybe people react to the space differently because it's happening specifically with this piece. Right. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I mean. The sister bench to this bench is outside right now and it's painted matte black and it's against a matte black wall. And I'm sure people don't totally see that as art in the show. Mm. Um, but that's where I'm the most fascinated. That's where I really want to kind of engage a viewer and then also understand my own practice. And, and I mean, that's ceramic and it's spray painted like that. Oh, I, I, I gave okay. people heart attacks when I made that piece yeah. because they were like, why would you do that? Why would you but, spray paint it? Yeah. It's a sacrilegious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking glaze it, put it in and kill do it the right way. And I was like, no, <laughs> because, um, I don't know, you know, so 
What's that, the price for something like that for that piece? So how much you're selling it for? I'm kidding. I, obviously, it doesn't feel like you. I mean, it sounds. It's I like mean, you would, I mean, ultimately, every one of my works, if it shows up in a gallery space, is for sale. Like, uh -huh. I'm not trying to. Does this show have a price list? Yeah. Okay. There's a price list in the back. We can, can I ask you what the price check is for it that out later? That's seven fifty. Seven fifty. Okay. Which is, it's not. You know, it's it's almost. It, I've I've had a range of anything from you know, reasonably $2,000 to at some points, like with larger installations, $5,000. Mm -hmm. But oh, uh, I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to like pry into your finances. <laughs> That's no. not necessarily something I do on the show. I, I was just interested in, because then the other element of that is that when you see it on the price list, then you realize that it is a piece. It is a piece. It, yeah. Like, so, so then that does sort of complete the loop. Oh, right. 100%. Yeah. And I want people to go to that point like engaging with the show they're like oh wait that is a thing mm -hmm. and then come back to it um in the show does it appear as all three or just one just the one just the one yeah okay because the other two are clearly part of the yeah I, I didn't know if it was like yeah. an installation but i guess you couldn't buy if it's a price list you can show a picture of the installation and the parts that you can't take <laughs> i home. could figure out a way to saw, saw those other ones if you really wanted but you know it was that piece specifically is something that i really find interesting when i walk into a space and it starts speaking to me like oh uh, where do i where do i find interest in relating to what's happening here you know um how can i engage the space and then also how can i if i'm given a chance like this how can i um engage the viewer you know because you jokingly said earlier that like i'm making work for myself but uh, i mean i wasn't necessarily fully joking <laughs> during during grad school uh i had a comment during one of my crits that was like you're making work for hvac specialists yeah because i had made these vents and i'd installed them in the space and i went through the whole process of my grad school without ever acknowledging the pieces mm -hmm. and um during one of my last thesis reviews uh you know i announced that i was sitting under one of the works mm -hmm. and it, uh the professor in <laughs> where did you go to school uh, american university from miami oh geez yeah. okay that's yeah. a very that's a private school right yeah that's, like, that's no i i mean <clears throat> i know it from like the dc crowd that are like the international law and sure. you know international relations people but i don't know their art program at all so to me that's like uh that's it's just fast like i've never heard of anyone going to art school there yeah and and i i um how did you, know, you was it a good program are you happy it was with a, it? it was a it was a medium to great program. Okay. I'm not going to... So I think I, uh, you didn't finish the... the what did your uh, teacher say? I, I cut off the story, I think. Basically that, like, while that was um, interesting and he specifically thought that it kind of fit into the trajectory of where my work was going, that I was making work for people that would look, mm -hmm. you know? So that a HVAC specialist would look up and be like, well, that doesn't make sense. That's a, that's on a brick wall. Yeah, yeah. There's no way in hell that a, a pipe would be coming out of it. <laughs> but at the same time, this is, that was my larger, it wasn't just an issue at American, but it was just kind of my larger contention with the art world and um, 
I had already been working at the Hirshhorn for a couple of years at that point. I'd kind of seen how the, that side of the world works. Um, Hirshhorn is a very specific place though. Cause yeah. it's not, it's not even like a, um, like a blue chip gallery. It's more a museum space, right? It's very much a museum. And it's, and, like, and it's like a DC museum, which and is And like... within the Smithsonian, <laughs> it's like the black sheep of museums yeah. where they're like, what the fuck are they doing over there? Like, um, but I, I love that, you know, and that really got me excited about like, seeing and being involved with artwork that um uh, i w i wanted to emulate obviously but then at the same time i found inspiration from you know so so like w wait you saw stuff at her showing that you were interested that influenced you like directly into this kind of work the um, yeah. like wh wh who were some influences to this kind of stuff because i don't i'm not familiar with anyone that works with that level of subtlety <laughs> I think I, 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 it's actually not that. And by the way, I relate 100% because, like, no one notices this show. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, we've spent the last 10 years putting on artist-run spaces that gets a little bit of notice, but no one notices. Um, I, I do feel like, uh, I mean, just for example, like, very early on at, at the Hirshhorn, uh, there's a Robert Gober piece that is a leg coming out of a wall that i think for the most a part what coming out of a wall a leg a leg it's like okay. a, a wax cast i think leg. there's a regional i think you're from where <clears throat> i'm from orlando florida technically holy shit there's yeah. no way that's a regional thing man. i'm from fucking we'll go we'll <laughs> talk about being I can't florida man <laughs> i cannot i just told somebody last night i said i meet more people in la from florida than i met in florida and i i just meant it in the way that like I just have never felt so connected to where the place where I'm from outside of the place when I really personally, Orlando and my history in that state, I, I wasn't like, I wasn't in love with it. It wasn't yeah. a great place for me. I had to get the fuck out. No, it's and I went boring. To Florida is boring as fuck. <laughs> and, but then you're nostalgic for the crazy shit you did to entertain yeah. yourself. I mean, I, I just like told fucking someone... wrestle alligators, right? You wrestled it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just, Leading into the stereotype. <laughs> I, I Gatorland, <laughs> for example, and Christmas. And I just told somebody last night that, uh, I, my summer. Christmas? Yeah. This, the town. Oh no. Okay. Outside. Go ahead. Uh, I, um, my kind of summer school was going to wet and wild and just getting dropped off in the morning and getting picked up at night and sometimes not getting picked up. Orlando kids are fucking <laughs> the masters of scam. I'm talking to the camera now so that people know, or like I dated someone from Orlando and, yeah. and, uh, we used to pull the scam when we went to parks where she would be like, we were in line earlier <laughs> and the ride broke down. And like, oh. I think it was like Jason or something. He told us that if we came back and told you guys, we, and then they would just be like, okay. And a couple of times we got busted. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we're, we're on a couple different tangents, but uh, that's a good conversation. I feel yeah. Florida. Like, yeah. No, the thing is that when you like Florida trumps everything, <laughs> it really does. It really does. Like, I don't think anyone cares about our art careers anymore. They want to yeah. know about the crazy what wild kind of shit we do. Did you, did you do in Florida? Did you ever read? I, I used to spend some time in, uh, like, Orlando is the only place, and we'll get off of uh, Florida, and we can go back to, but Orlando is the only place where I did ketamine that was not 
like the normal ketamine. <laughs> I was like so fucked up and I didn't know it wasn't like psychedelic in the way that it was just like a different one. I was like, it's like, yeah, this is ketamine. I'm like, no, this is not. This is <laughs> you probably gave me some fucking PCP or some shit. Sure. I luckily got out of there before I really started to dabble into any kind of experimentation. Um, but uh, I can have a pretty fun when I accidentally did mouth story uh, <laughs> from from that state so yeah. I don't know it's just uh, it's a it's a weird place and and I was I was saying last night as well that like I feel um, Florida in its own right is you know it's kind of what I ex- imagine I've never been to New Orleans I would imagine that makes that place special you know that that makes it different than other states. Uh, Florida for sure has that. And and I think that's what I connect with when I meet people. You know, we were at a friend's house last night, uh, Daniel Newman, who's a really great artist that like also from Florida and like has this, we just have this kind of bond from that. Oh experience. no, I already know so many things about you. Like I do. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, and, and I, it, where in Florida are you from, though? I'm from Miami. Oh, I'm Cuban. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so we, it, we used to call it O-Town, Orlando, and I know you guys hate that. <laughs> and then there was a band called O-Town afterwards, yep. and you guys hated it even more. <laughs> even more so. Sure. Yeah, no, Orlando's fucking amazing. I've had some really good times, but I will say this, that Miami versus Orlando is like, you guys are so fucking landlocked. Yeah. And it is it is just asphalt, rain, and heat. And heat. And, <laughs> and sweating and humidity. And, and what I mean by asphalt, rain, and heat is that, like, rain comes, yeah. it lands, it's like, even if it was grass, it would be different, you know? It just radiates, like the sun beams it, and then you just walk through this thick humidity. Even right now, it's hot as fuck in here. I'm not yeah. sweating as much. No. As a, like, 92 over here, I don't sweat as much as I did it at 80 in Florida. Megan, um, when we moved, I mean, we were lucky enough to move to Santa Barbara when we came to California. But after that, we, we quickly got out and came to L.A. She was going to grad school there. But California in general. We came to California, and I was like, Megan, something is different and special about the weather out here. Mm -hmm. I didn't start sweating at 7 a.m., and I still don't have that sweat on me at 9 p.m. It's really nice, and I just want to respect that because the sun part of my, you know, I'm really responsive to to weather and and how um, just... Mood sunlight wise. sunlight will, will affect my mood for sure. Okay. Yeah. And coming from DC, I almost forgot about it. Yeah. And then it just like woke that whole part of my, my brain up that was like, oh no, you used to wake up in the morning and have this all day, every day. And then that weird thing that happens in in Orlando specifically, but Florida, is that you get that four PM uh rain mm-hmm. that just rains for like fifteen minutes and then it stops. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. yeah. 
and it's just like part of the humidity of just like there's just so much no there's a humidity humidity. cycle and you're just walking through a humidity machine yeah Yeah. for sure it's like a humidor yeah yeah (laughs) or a humidifier uh humidor is probably less damp (laughs) very much so uh okay let's go back to the hershorn i I, and 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 the art stuff because i think this is more of a this as much as i want to know about florida i also want to know about cuba Oh, well, I've never been. So I, that's, that, I, I can tell you a lot about Florida. Okay. Uh, I didn't go during the Obama years because I thought it would be chill forever. Yeah, you thought. You <laughs> I thought, thought it was like, oh, we've, okay, we turned good. a corner. Yeah. No, no. Turns out. America was like, nah. They're like, just you wait until we. You can't meet your family. <laughs> sink into our conservative history. Um, so, yeah, I worked. Interesting kind of thing happened. Um, well, you guys used to run spaces there. I want to get your take on that, or unless you had a, a, a thread. Well, to start was, uh, you know, I left Orlando because um, I How had old were an you? internship, uh, 21 going on 22. So um, you were you were like me, a late leaver. Yeah. <laughs> I'd finished up undergrad at, at Rollins College. Uh, I was like uh, feeling really, that was a weird uh, moment in my life where I was poor and I was at the school because I had scholarships and I was around a bunch of rich kids, but uh, it was just not a good moment. And, uh, but I did bump into somebody who um, had a a suggestion to go to the Hirshhorn for an internship as uh, exhibitions. Well, they just said, go, just go to DC. Mm. like you'll be fine you'll figure it out it's close enough you can come back if it doesn't work out but um you know i am a sculptor and i'm good with my hands and and uh at that point i'd really committed to art you know i was like this is what i want to do with my life um while you were still in orlando yeah how how do i do that wait but how did how did you make that decision in orlando that's a very i mean it's just an interesting thing because that's not what you like even miami i think is considered yeah. more of an art town 100 percent, very yeah. much so i i knew that i needed to leave yeah and i knew that if i wanted to really pursue art and art making and understanding art i needed to get get out of there and um did, did orlando have any scene like that's what i'm just that's what's kind of scratching my brain i mean one of the earliest memories I have personally um, was being at uh, the Orlando Museum of Art with my mother, who's a huge influence in my art making and my, my career, and um, having a moment with a Dwayne Hansen piece where I like sat down to play checkers with the little girl who's mm-hmm. at the checker board and uh you know security got upset and we, we got kicked out oh you weren't supposed fine. to no, i thought it was like an interactive not. piece that you're telling the story yeah so um <laughs> you know that that was kind of my art influence was my mother was kind of this this idea that the art was there right mm-hmm. like it was accessible it was you could find it in places you could go down to miami i mean key west for example a wonderful place that doesn't have actual physical art but create it the the ethos of key west is very uh, artistic and um i just uh i knew that i had to leave orlando because it wasn't it wasn't giving me everything i needed but i also knew that i i quite frankly didn't have the understanding or moxie even to get up to new york mm-hmm. so this person suggested dc they said you know you can get an internship at the hirshhorn figure it out 
And uh, the list came back and it was like, do you want to work in the exhibitions department? And I never knew what it took to put shows on. I just thought, like, I would imagine most people's shows just happen. But there's a whole team of people and there's a mm. whole process and a whole thing to understanding what it means to design a show, uh, how to hang a car from a ceiling. Like these things come up where you're just like, uh, yeah, <laughs> it comes up. Yeah, it comes up and, and you learn pretty Can fast a car and, from a ceiling. And, and uh, I learned from, you know, uh, luckily learned from professionals that um, had been doing it a long time and, and took me under their wing. And uh, well, it sounds like you kind of pretty much started a career yeah well from there right because that's like you've been working in in it seems like you've had a career since you were like in your early 20s which i'm jealous as fuck of all of a sudden (laughs) (laughs) i mean i you know i don't i don't want to presume but like i grew up uh lower middle class mm. for sure like my parents, no i did my, not my parents i were, fucking uh, was I like could, i mean maybe... you have these fancy cameras and microphones <laughs> i don't know um no but... i did I, I did not grow up well I, I grew up well off i did not grow up uh poor <laughs> yeah so for me um figuring out a way and this is something i really i'm i'm kind of overall interested in especially since coming to la but like figuring out a way to make income and then make my artwork became mm-hmm. very clear, very fast because I wasn't going to make money off my art immediately. And mm-hmm. I still don't really make money off my art, but I knew that I needed to supplement that engagement. And I, I, I want to make art with my money. It's what mm-hmm. I spend all my yeah, money yeah, on, yeah, you know, yeah. like I can and, relate. Is that, uh... Yeah. You're like, <laughs> you, you get it. Uh, but I wasn't going to get that money from my family. Yeah. So I knew pretty quickly. I was like, oh, I have to do something that I can, you know, uh, supplement that engagement because I was spending money on art. Like most people spend money on cars or whatever else they they decide to splurge on. Um, But there was no questioning how, you know, at that point I was making things that I was already doing guerrilla installations that were outside and things that I knew this wasn't the typical kind of relationship with a, with a gallery to sell artwork. So uh, the only way I knew how to do it was do it myself mm-hmm. and, um, exhibition work and, and being a prep offered me something that like I had my ma- uh, at that point I didn't have my master's degree, but I knew that I could make $30 an hour, which that's not fucking that's nothing, nothing at 22, you know, or 21. Yeah. yeah. So I had a lot of credit card debt and I just kind of felt like, you know, it got me through the point in life where at the time we don't have to get in this, but my father was sick slash becoming sicker. And I, I was taking a lot of trips and I was spending a bunch of money on my art. And I just, uh, there was just this moment where I was like, how do I keep doing the thing that I want to do? And responsibly make the income to be able to, you know, like uh, help your dad. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it went fine. And then I got to a point where I needed to follow through on kind of my own personal engagement. That's what took me to American because we were already in DC. I had already met Megan at that point. Um, what was its reputation as a program? That's just mind boggling to me. Yeah. It's not, it's not, and it's not known. For its art but it's a great school though it's, it's a great it's school. like it's fucking top tier hey and it, when you're in dc you can't 
you know, there's GW, of course, and there's yeah, other yeah. schools that, you know, Georgetown. That, I like, just don't even think sure. of those as schools that have art programs. Yeah. Even GW. Like, that. that's what I'm saying. It's totally. on that level of, like, fucking uh, neoliberal world ma- tastemakers. You know, it's like, it's like a fucking uh, feeding thing to the, um, what's it <laughs> called? Uh, the Not the IMF, the World uh, Monetary Fund. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Monetary Forum. Sorry. But at that point, economic forum, Jesus Christ, been, Charles Schwab, that motherfucker. <laughs> I had already been in D.C. for almost six years. So I fell in love with the city that was post six o'clock, right? Like that city only has 600,000 people in it. That oh, live it, there. it drains. Yeah, there's yeah. like two to three million people that come in and work during the work hours and then they leave. And the artists I was meeting uh, were like, they had they had nothing. There's no studio system. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no post-industrial kind of complex of warehouses. Uh, it had already was way more expensive than you could afford. Um, there was no real mid-level uh, gallery system to support newer artists coming up. Um, there was a really decent, and what I hold as a very special thing about DC is like uh, kind of nonprofit slash uh the money that comes in from the the government in general for arts doesn't get split up the way it does in typical states to different counties and different like micro systems. Oh yeah, it it's, basically it's comes own, in yeah. and they're like, "Fuck you, here, yeah, yeah. please apply," and you could get funding that way, and and that that helped for sure. But at that point, I already knew it was um, I needed to go to grad school. For myself, mm-hmm. I needed two years to just not work a job, which I ended up working all the way through, of course. But to really focus on myself, focus on my practice. Like mm-hmm. I had applied to a couple different places. Um, American came back pretty quickly and was like, you know, they have a very soft sculpture program and they were known for painting. And at the time, I was kind of still making painting, but I knew that it wasn't my trajectory. I wanted to get more into sculpture, but I wasn't going to be like a, you know, I wasn't going to go to like University of Maryland and be like a welder. Mm-hmm. So I knew that um, I was kind of interested in getting into something that was a little bit more, yeah, just DIY and kind of, um, uh, there was a professor there at the time that I was very interested in meeting and kind of working with. Um, it just, that's the way it went. And, uh, I just signed up immediately because at that point in my life, I, I just needed to go. I just needed to do something for, my, for myself. Where did you do your BFA? At Rollins college. Which, where's, where's Rollins? It's in winter park, Florida. Um, okay. little town. That's not a, that's of Orlando. Not, that's not a nothing school though. No, it's not. And had I went for business or anything mm. other than art, I would have maybe had a whole different life. Yeah. But, you know, I... Uh, so that's, uh, that's your pattern, going to, like, amazing schools for the, for the thing, the thing they're, they're thing not that for. They're not, they're, they're not great <laughs> at, yeah. No, not good, not, not good yeah. at, but, you know, not known for. No, yeah, totally. But uh, also finding people in the program and, and professors and, and um, um, threads of thought that are maybe only in those places because they're not um, preconceived with the idea of being something bigger than themselves, right? Like, I, I really did find a, a couple of professors at, at, at Rollins specifically 
that kind of spearheaded my art trajectory. I was playing basketball at the time. I was really obsessed with that, but I had to like, how tall are you? Drop every six, two, six, two. Okay. I had to drop everything once I figured out that I could like take photographs and that I could, I was doing a lot of ceramics at the time. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've basically touched every medium at some point. Um, and I got a lot of support there. And I think that was huge because uh, I was making art in high school, but I didn't really know what it meant. You know, I was just like, yeah, just I mean, yeah. Intense, intense, like 30 hour renderings of, of yeah. drawings that, that was like, yeah, look at that. That's pretty, right? But um, I hadn't really got deep into the understanding of making and why I was making what, it, what the relationship with the thing I was making in myself that kind of um, engagement I just hadn't even begun to explore and Rollins opened that up and then I left pretty immediately because Orlando and, mm, yeah, um, yeah. and then I ended up in DC and, and luckily enough on a, on a path of, of working behind the scenes in museums um, and I got to see the way things operate and how they how the soup is made how did that start like who, like you guys, let's, did, did you guys start together on the DIY scene, you and uh, Megan, like running DIY spaces? Is that, was that a collaborative thing between you guys? Had someone done it before? So um, one of the beautiful things about D- DC is that there's a great punk yeah, that's, vibe. Yeah. It's not just music. Well, it's Bad just Brains like is an fucking. ethos in general. Yeah. But then, for example, Bad Brains, like you'd go to the National Gallery of Art, I think it was Aaron Space actually, and one of the guards was the was the uh, trumpet player. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, like you're like the fucking biggest thing, yeah. but you're you still Which, got a day job. Yeah. <laughs> so that was influential to me for sure. You know, I, I was seeing like Ian Mackay at, at the coffee shop. I was mm. just seeing like people. He wasn't working at the coffee shop. I'll just clarify <laughs> that. But my point being is like that's not punk. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, there's just a vibe overall in D.C. that is very like, if you want it, you just have to make it happen. And there's a long history of um, artist-run spaces in D.C. And when I was finishing up my second year, going into my kind of graduation, uh, a couple of the students, um, MFAs that were involved, wanted to do something. We didn't know Mm -hmm. what to do. And we got this house from a professor at the time where we could do anything. We'd rent it out whole house we lived in it second and third floor and then we could do anything we wanted to on the first floor because we didn't have fucking furniture mm-hmm. so it was like we're gonna put art shows up yeah and we started this thing called delicious spectacle that megan was involved in the what delicious spectacle okay it's now just an archive page um that term and that i don't really know like when you google search it now like it comes up with like food stuff and obviously this whole thing but at the time, it was like a Guy Debord reference of like the spectacle in general, the way that we felt that um, art was being viewed in D.C., the way that we kind of thought about um, how we could do something that was really tasty mm-hmm. in the sense of like you could come to these shows and it would be something you wouldn't see anywhere else. Like you yeah. would just feel that. Well, so, it's so perfect, we started that space, and that went for like a year and a half. Two, it's the perfect city for that kind of uh, punk attitude, though. I mean, yeah. like if you think of everything 
it's a city that has daily tourists essentially that come in and to like live and work. Sure. And um and then it's a city that really cares about art. <laughs> I just matched with someone on on uh on Hinge and uh, like I was like, "Do you like art?" and they were like, Oh, I'm European. Of course I like art. It's I like just... art and literature. And I was like, fuck you. I was like, do you like conceptual art and contemporary art? And she was like, to be honest, no, talk later. And I was like, yeah, you fucking poser. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's I'm funny. being all punk. No, but but it is, it's kind of like that. It's like there is a lot of respect for art in the city. The galleries and, are free. The yeah, museums are all free. Yeah. But it's mind blowing. But it and it and it's like it's a huge thing. But at the same time, like you're going and you're getting it, uh, inspired, you can't get into these spaces, right? Yeah. It, directly. So it seems like the per the perfectly prime place for you know, I think that LA, like a lot of people gravitate towards here and it's almost like inevitable that it and I think I feel like the it sounds like DC is inevitable. It's seen as inevitable like that in its sure. in its defiance to sort of because I think that a lot of the whole artist run space world is very much about people just validating themselves, right? It, like it's yeah, like we're not absolutely. waiting for anyone to tell us that yeah. we can make art. Like we just make it. I'm gonna make this shit regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It would be nice if I could put this shit in shows. Yeah, yeah. But if not, I'm gonna start installing it on the street. I'm yeah, gonna yeah. like find my own way. There's nothing stopping me. And I, I think pretty early on in the relationship with Megan, it was very um it was like looking into a mirror where I was like, oh man, you, this fucking woman is strong. Like she's mm -hmm. not gonna, she's gonna find a way to do it. There's not gonna be no apologies about it. And like, we just have to figure out how to do those things. And Delicious Spectacle started that kind of energy. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the minute we landed in um, Santa Barbara, I had finished grad school and I said to her, uh, you go in, we go anywhere you get in. Like mm -hmm. just apply to grad school whatever she got into sva and s uh santa barbara UCSD. a school of visual arts yeah in and, new york and then santa barbara uh, you 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 see santa barbara. and uh sva was like 72 a year and they were like no help yeah yeah they were like we don't care if you don't want to come here there's a line of people behind you that'll pay to come here yeah. and it just didn't like we had spent a lot of time back and forth in new york at that point and we knew it was new york or la but we knew nothing about LA. Yeah. And then we came to UCSB and like we had luckily met this uh, amazing artist, Patrick Melroy, who later married us, but he gave us a tour. He was a grad student at the time, uh, just really kind of sold us on it. And then we got there and then they were like, yeah, I mean, the first year is like, I don't know, 10, 12. Second year is free because you're a resident. Mm -hmm. we're like, oh, fucking California. How, how long ago was that? Was like, uh, UCs aren't free anymore, are they? Yeah, it was uh, probably eight years ago. Okay. Well, we just celebrated eight years in LA on July 14th. Sorry, July 4th. Megan's birthday is July 14th. Um, two years before that, so almost 10 years ago. It's interesting. I feel like uh, LA is one of those... There's a few cities that you count where how long you've been almost because it's like sure. it's like I fucking survived, bro. Because yeah. <laughs> you see so many people living the leaving the city and shit. Megan's brother was in New York at the time, and there he had this thing where it was like I can't call myself a New Yorker until I've been here for ten years. Yeah, and he made it like eight, maybe nine, and he was like, "Fuck that, I can't deal 
Yeah, New York the, is rough. It's so intense and stressful. And yeah. like why you wear that on your, your shoulder is like a badge of pride is confusing. But we got out to California. We're like, oh, what the fuck? This is amazing. And quickly after leaving UCSB, we started um, a project at our space downtown in L.A. called Gate that was on the rooftop where uh, we were doing shows on the roof that were just open open as could be um but open w- meaning that like ju- like not a- egalitarian essentially yeah, we like would you push- apply you get in we, well that and then also you could come see the show mm-hmm. at any time oh, like okay. we just installed it outside we told all the artists like this is how it's going to go we're going to put your pieces outside uh they'll be up for like a month we really prided ourselves on doing shows every month. So we did that for almost almost a year and a half before it just got like, it was too crazy with the building. And, mm. and, uh, and it was a really beautiful moment. You know, LA in general, you know, I mean, we had friends with shows in elevators. We had friends with shows in cars. We had friends with shows in... Are you, you talking know, about, is this recent? I mean, you know all, you know, you know Elevator all Mondays? Yeah. <laughs> and um, it, there was a real thing, you know, barbecue was popping off at the time. Yeah. Like, there was these things that were like, in general, it felt like the artist run scene in LA at that moment was really, really strong with um, just opportunity Mm -hmm. in space and uh we just we just were doing it at the same time we're like now almost six years later i'll I'll meet someone in a bar we'll be talking and i'll be like i used to go to this fucking space was on a roof i saw the coolest show there i was like (laughs) oh yeah what's that that called it was called gate like i don't really know what happened to it they were like okay cool (laughs) that was you guys yeah yeah um yeah, it's cool. It it is nice also where it's like they're like these little explosions. Even yeah. if if they're if they're short lived, it does uh it is nice. Yeah, I think well I there are problems with mm-hmm. artist run spacing for sure. Yeah. Gentrification, issues with being bringing people in the spaces that aren't um in or from the neighborhood. But Overall, as an ecosystem of art support for artists, I just, I personally hadn't seen or been a part of something. Because when we left DC, it was very much like, the conversations we were getting to were like, what are we going to do? Like, how do we, you know, how do we become New York? Or how do we, Mm. like, what's going to happen? Like, this is just not a, it was very much like a, it just didn't feel like the conversation was going anywhere else than like, um, there's nothing we can do about this. Yeah. And then the minute we got started in LA, it was like, there's everything we can do. Yeah. We can do it wherever the fuck we want to do it. We can try this. We can work. It can not work. Um, in some cases it can get protested or it can not get protested. Like there was the ways to navigate the system that I think were empowered by artists for artists and, you know, at the end of the day, it is us showing our friends. Mm. It's always been that. Yeah, they're basically but, house parties, essentially. They become that, where, uh, where, where strangers are invited totally. to. But some of know. the best relationships and some of the yeah. best connections I've made in L.A. have been from those shows. Yeah, yeah 100%. And, and I just, 
you know, if you're involved in a system, which we can get into a larger conversation about the market, you know, I've worked for blue chip galleries. I, I know that side of the world, but as a healthy relationship for artists doing what artists need to do to, to show mm -hmm. and to make things and to feel supported and not getting that from, you know, this isn't Canada. It's not Berlin. We're not getting money to be artists. No. And when we say we're artists, it's different because people are like, well, are you making yeah, yeah. your living off yeah, art? Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck no. No one. I mean, no, yeah, not in this country. No. And in this economy. <laughs> and honestly, how much of that conversation uh, is really masked behind this facade that social media has put on where you feel like, Look at me, I'm doing it, I'm making a living off my arms. Like, I know you have a day job. Yeah. And we never talk about that shit. And I. Wait, do you, th you find a lot of people front like that? A lot of people, yeah. for sure. Definitely. Maybe, maybe you're, you're more straddling that line then. Cause, cause I think, cause I just know a bunch of like fucking degenerates. But even, <laughs> but even at some of the galleries I was working at, uh, the 80% of their roster would be yeah, professors no. or they'd have they'd have some kind of side gig or yeah do, you know i mean I th it's actually but funny it's not because glamorous to talk about no yeah it's know? funny because i think a lot of people are probably straddling it's almost like if you have a day job you have more legitimacy too because if you're a professor somewhere it's like oh not only does he make art he teaches sure. <laughs> totally. what a mystique oh he gives back to the fucking rich kids um no i have i have my issues i i totally respect and get how like um, academia helped you sort of uh, break out and, and have, get these opportunities, right? Like, especially with, with uh, going to American University. But, I mean, it's only, it was years ago. <laughs> Give me all that debt. Yeah. But, so much debt. But it is, it's, a, it, it's interesting. I do like that. I mean, look, man, the reality is that the blue chip world, I don't know how, how legitimate the blue chip world takes Hunter Biden. So maybe that's not fair. But that motherfucker is like, is selling artwork and he doesn't even need a fucking day job, but he gets the best day jobs. <laughs> yeah, I, there's that whole movement of like celebrities making paintings and them getting yeah. some kind of. I just don't think. I mean, that's just capitalism. It's just mm. the reality of celebrity mixed with the fact that I can make something or I can have somebody else make it. And I can. Well, I think in his. I don't think his is celebrity. I think that's just straight up like money laundering. <laughs> yeah. But also mixed with a certain amount of like that person's name commands interest right off the bat. Right. Like whether yeah. you like him or not. I just don't think that like blue chip galleries are taking him seriously. I think that like. No, but blue chip galleries are making money. They don't care about. I mean, for the most part. I wonder I mean, who's showing him. Anyway, like yeah. it's that this is more of like a speculative. I don't have a lot of data on him. I just know that he likes to weigh his crack and record himself, which which it, we can maybe go back into being a Florida man right here. Sure. Here, can I get you another beer? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. what's the craziest shit that happened to you in Florida? The craziest shit that's happened to me, in Florida. or that you've seen, or that's happened in front of you. So, uh, I definitely woke up one morning at my grandma's house in um, Altamont. Uh, I was probably like eight or nine. Yeah. And uh, there was a 14-foot alligator in her front yard. 
And my grandma was a badass. She mm-hmm. was like, she'd come out and like chop the heads off snakes with a hoe and just like turn the corner and just like light a cigarette. It wasn't a big deal. But this one even got her a little shook. Mm-hmm. Like we came out, that thing was huge. And um, it took six full grown men to try to like wrangle this thing into getting it into the back of a truck. And they ended up just shooting it. Because mm-hmm. they just were like, it was some, just too hard. At some yeah. point, they're just like, uh, I don't know what else to do here, but just use yeah. the weapon that is totally uh, accessible here uh, to just exterminate this animal. And uh, that was that was pretty wild from an early on kind of relationship with being in a in a state where every body of water bigger than four feet, I think, has like a. 90% chance of having gator in it, you know, nice. like anything. There's just like a gator at all times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that was pretty wild. Yeah. What, what was your scene? Were you like, cause I know that I remember one of the things that I remember is that the music scene over there is kind of sparse because no one really wants to drive. Maybe Orlando ha- was a little bit better in terms of shows, but Miami, no one came down to Miami. No one came all the way down. Yeah. So, what, what was your scene uh, like? What it, were you like a preppy kid? Orlando like- specifically, uh, it, it doesn't get the credit that it deserves for actually being a pretty special music scene. Okay. I think, I mean, if I'm not in your world, I don't really engage with musicians that really know histories, but pretty consistently Orlando will come up as like a place that in conversation but the EDM scene obviously was huge but mm. even before that there were things that got started in Orlando that because of its geography it just happened to be a place where like when musicians got down into that area and they weren't so suffocated by the southernness of other mm. states they would do things and and be ways that um, were pretty inspirational so uh, I dabbled a little bit in that scene. EDM sure. and, and all that? Yeah, and just kind of the the dance kind of in general. Rave culture? Yeah, I mean. 90s? Uh, Orlando, what, yeah. What, we're uh, talking Jinkos? like 90s. <laughs> Jinkos? Definitely Jinkos. Okay, okay. So then we're just basically the same person. <laughs> <laughs> Except my dad worked for the UN. <laughs> there you go. And my dad was a cook. <laughs> 40 years. Um, that's a pretty I, I'm making the joke because that's a pretty huge difference yeah no, it <laughs> in is. terms of privilege and opportunity it is but sure. uh but raving is like is is uh, is a passion I still I still bring it up yeah I don't I just uh, those those are the things that I look back at and I'm like oh I was actually in a place where there was a good amount of influence and um did you guys did you, you guys have like a really dope college radio station or something? Because we had WVUM. We also had a really good music scene. Like our music, our, our electronic music, and and all of that shit was like super popping, very pop oriented, like uh, synth pop, synth wave kind of shit. Um, sure. And and ju- well, I mean everything. Also, you know, like Luke was from there, and we can curse on records because of him. So thank <laughs> thank God for him. I think uh, coming out of my undergrad right like coming out of my high school uh into my undergrad i went to a school that had five thousand kids yeah you know yeah like race wars there were like whole pockets of like skaters and cowboys and 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 race wars though okay because we had we had goth versus jock wars sure (laughs) but never race wars 
There was a full out like the SWAT team came to our high school one day. Between what races? Just blacks and whites, or no? Or... It was overall frustration. I think had been looming pretty heavily between the like. Well, we don't have to get into it, but uh, the kind of like ignorant white cowboy scene mixed with this idea that like you know um definitely the kind of black students and uh, the hispanic students latino uh would it was just not it was just bubbling over between whites and the, the minority yeah. groups. Yeah. Okay. And it got uh, really First nasty of all, are there a lot of fucking cows in Florida? Because <laughs> how, how the fuck are you a Florida cowboy? <laughs> there, there are. There, exactly. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, uh, no, because, I mean, that is definitely not a Miami f- f- phenomenon. I have run into Florida cowboys. That's not, I'm not, sure. I'm not denying their existence, but that is something that I don't always remember. That's a really remember. good point. Yeah. But, but yeah, Orlando definitely has its like, uh, that's a really good point. There's not really that amount of farming <laughs> in Florida. Yeah. But it was a thing. And, and, but I, I guess where I'm going with that is that like, that's what I came out of. And then I, I had the opportunity because um, I was poor to go to a fancy school and like change it. Mm. Like they only accept a certain amount of students that make under a certain amount of income. And then my other option was UCF. And I probably should have went to UCF given my trajectory in Florida at the time. That's where I partied the hardest, bro. <laughs> That's where I did that yeah. fucking horse cat. We, that, by the way, what we <laughs> decided was that, oh, no, it's not cat ketamine. It's horse ketamine. horse ketamine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which is a very sci- Florida scientific drug. <laughs> oh, my God. Remember how big G was? Huh? Remember how big G yeah, was? Yeah, that's point, actually, like, I never did it. People were just passing out yeah, in, the, yeah. in the during the school day. Yeah. Just passing out from G. I used to do roofies. It was crazy. And like that was like a like we would go to keg parties and there'd be no keg. Just everyone fucked up off G. Yeah. And you're just like, what is happening here? I know um, you're from Florida because I said I did roofies and you didn't blink. No. <laughs> you just did them. You just, I like, just did I intentionally decided to do Yeah, this. I roofied myself. It yeah. was fucking awesome. <laughs> no, I, I, drugs are bad. No, I, I mean, I did it like once or twice, but it was like, but it was definitely a thing that we did. And then, uh, did you ever watch the movie Bully? Yeah, oh, okay. absolutely. So then you relate to that. Because that's actually, that's in between us. That's a little bit north of Florida. Sure. Uh, but... I could still see it. The uh, um, what's it called? Demographically being very similar to Orlando-ish. Yeah, for sure. I, I also have like uh, um, a deep-seated emotional relationship with Spring Breakers. Yeah, where like oh, that's yeah. another example. They never really got like, too far down to Miami. They didn't get too far down, but in general, the idea, the ethos of what Florida is. Um, no, I, I could see Orlando getting slammed more because if you're doing a road trip. Like, why not just fucking get drunk at the first big city, you know? Yeah. But but the, I think Daytona Beach and all of those places were bigger for that. You know what's crazy is we're talking this much about Orlando. I haven't even been. Really? In like... Is your family still there? The last big wedding of a high school friend I went to, which was like... 12 years ago. Yeah. I'm nostalgic my, for my, it, but I'm not trying to get back, bro. No. I, I love what it taught me. 
I like being a Florida man outside of Florida because then then I'm just like there's a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. You can kind of like ride that. But also like I said earlier, you get to meet people from different areas of like you know what it was like to live in Jacksonville or Miami or No, they're very different like, cities. They're, they're shockingly different. different. Or like we would like take a 30 minute ride and end up in Coco. Yeah. Or like if we if we wanted to get fancy, we'd go to Daytona. Coco was the surfing spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I remember Kelly Slater dissed on Florida surfing. He was like, he was like, because he's from Florida, and he goes, yeah, yeah you know, there's a people from places with small waves always say they're bigger than they are, like knee high. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, man, there's six boat waves here. No, yeah, yeah, maybe two. Um, sorry, you were gonna say something, and I told you a horrible joke, a horrible no. story. Uh, but back, I don't really know where that was going. Back to leaving there, um, going Coco. up to DC, and then ending up in California. Um, the general kind of ride we've always been taking is, where can we do the thing that we want to do? How can we facilitate doing this thing? And then where can we have, you know, I mean, even this relationship, right? Like, mm. where you get into a place where, like, there, there's enough of a, of a fertile soil of artist-run spaces, podcasts, uh, interviews, mm-hmm. uh, somewhat of a level of um, uh, critique or critical feedback maybe starting to happen more here but uh you know that that just kind of immediately felt like well this is where we want to be because we can do these things we can have these shows and well there's a lot of community you know like it's like that i mean i think that that is essentially the main thing that i've gotten out of just even doing the show i mean now i am definitely trying to monetize it but the only reason that i'm how will you do that by the way Oh, out of interest. Just there's different, like you merch and shit like that. You know, I can break it down for you. It's probably boring podcasting to like break down, like, but it basically there's a bunch of different revenue streams. You can monetize on YouTube. You can uh, have a Patreon. Just the different, like, like basically, it's like anything else. You want to diversify your portfolio because if at any point you lose a revenue stream, you're fucked. You know, you want to mitigate that, right? Like so, because like for example. For a while, affiliate marketing was a huge thing. But then, and like, if you were an Amazon affiliate, you used to make like crazy amounts of money. Mm -hmm. Uh, But slowly that program has just become less and less uh, Mm -hmm. lucrative for people. I don't have that. I'm not necessarily trying to, like, if I would do it, I would probably do like Blix or something as an affiliate. So are you at a point with the podcast or in general with what this is turning into where you feel like you, do you have to bring income in from it? Uh, I would prefer to do this than have a job. Cool. Essentially, I don't have to. It turns out that's having a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, made your own business. Yeah, I would rather you know, like I would love to be just even be able to pay guests. You know, to to like to to have a paying gig for people that I'm like you know, hey, come on, I got like a hundred some odd dollars for you. Sure. You know, but. And like that, that would be ideal. Uh, I think 
the main thing right now is that and then there's advertising dollars and whatnot you can do stuff like that in the main thing ultimately all of this is a skill building exercise yeah, right like sure. i know how to do all this shit and i have proof of concept like I, I can prove it right um and since i've been doing it for four years like i i'm i kind of wanted to up the ante and add to the skills because i already knew how to do a basic audio podcast yeah so but youtube youtube is like is still the best like I said, when we were, before we started recording, I, I said, I don't think that they knew what they were doing when they started YouTube and how powerful of a thing it is. But it's like, it really is a thing where they're now they're like, hey, hey, hey maybe not everybody gets to use yeah. this because this is like, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't know we were going to disrupt entire fucking news <laughs> industries and legacy media was going to be scrambling to keep up with Joe Rogan. You know, the difference between Joe Rogan and, and the, the, the most popular guy is Tucker Carlson, right? Demo sure. more, like, I think 60% of Democrats even watch Tucker Carlson. Sure. So it's not even partisan. He does like 3 million a month. Mm-hmm. Joe Rogan does 11 million a month. There is the fucking eclipsing of these. It, like, that's why I say, I don't think they intended to do this because, because that's why all the censorship is, is, is the new craze because it's like, you've given too much power to people to like build up their own fucking things. Yeah. I, yeah, totally. I, I think what's fascinating about it is, um, maybe the delivery system difference where like the TV brought people to living rooms and you could choose to turn on that channel and watch them. Mm -hmm. What's, what's kind of fascinating about YouTube and in general with social media is that like, I have to go look for that. Like, mm -hmm. obviously I've heard of Joe Rogan, but I would have to go download that podcast and I have to look into it and I have to like see something that like, then the, the relationship is, is, is immediately different, right? Like it's intimacy and, yeah. and the choice yeah. to go to that place. You know, one of the things that YouTube's does is that it keeps showing you the same video. It keeps recommending the same videos until you wear it, wears you down and you're like, all right, Fuck I'll yeah, fucking watch it. And then you watch it and you're like, God damn, YouTube, you fucking <laughs> nailed it. Right? Like, yeah. it is really, really weird. I mean, not every time because sometimes, like, YouTube will really, like, push me into, like, trying to get me to watch, like, right-wing shit, you know? Well, that, that... That is that that is not a lie about YouTube. That no, is definitely that a fucking... rabbit hole podcast like, d d fucking hit it on the, on the head. I don't that. know that podcast. Oh, check it out. It was like a... a limited offshoot. series? No, it's like an offshoot of The Daily. Mm -hmm. And it was basically trying to understand how that movement got so yeah. strong so fast, and and what and what it's. There's point also was, which... there's also people like Teal Swan. Do you know who that is? No. So not it, this is like it's not even just right wing shit. So there is this influencer who's huge on um, on Instagram and like it's basically she's basically a cult leader, and which one of the things that's really like upsetting about her is that she uses YouTube with like keywords and stuff to like insert herself into the lives of people that are suicidal. And then her whole message is, it's a weird thing because it seems counterintuitive, but there are people that she has said to that, like, uh, like there was a, a couple that were her followers mm -hmm. and one of them was on Lexapro or some shit. Mm -hmm. And they were like, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. You can stay on the medicine, but like you're not going to be on the same spiritual level as we are because it's blocking you. You know, so they got her to t get off of that, and obviously she became depressed. 
And then after that, she started to, uh, like, she, she just started to say to her, like, you know what? I've never heard of, I've never met a soul that wanted to leave this earth more. So eventually the woman killed herself. And then she did a press thing where she was like, she was immediately reincarnated. It's really fucked up weird shit. So like, it is like that. It, this is why I think hopefully eventually where we're headed is uh, algorithm transparency so that you can be like, oh, hey, we're doing this. You know, like we're, prom we're, we're promoting this, you know, because, because even now they will kind of let slip sometimes, but they're not even open about how they suppress media. media. Like they, they'll suppress lefty shows, you know, sure. and stuff. So it's really crazy. Like it is a, a very powerful tool. And I think that they're reckoning with what they've made because if you want, you know, like if you if you're invested in a two party system and that kind of thing, like any alternative information, you know, we're living in a world where like now it's like people don't want you to tell the truth on the off chance that it might be misused. Absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, who do you think is going to fraction first, Republicans or Democrats? Oh, I'm not invested in either party. I think I, I don't if we were going to. If I, we're gonna, I w uh, okay. I w in terms of fracture, I don't even know. I think the game is basically consolidate power into these two organizations. I don't think they will fracture. I oh, think you don't think they will. It's a really fascinating industry. I'm really excited, and 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 I'm I feel like I'm starting to get an idea of how the algorithm works after, you know, working on another show that that uh, was successful. Yeah, I mean that's. I good luck you know <laughs> but also you start to understand the system you're working within and you and you adjust and you're going to be successful because uh because you you make content i mean ultimately it is just a it's a longevity game of like how long have you been doing this yeah Will you continue to do this you know i i think at this point even with our friends and family there's a thing that goes on where people are like oh you guys weren't just like, this wasn't just, like, an idea you had to, like, live in a different state or do a different thing because this is our life. Yeah. You know, like, I don't, I, I just, you know, maybe we'll talk again in 10 years and mm -hmm. we'll be in the same situation. But the reality is, like, I'm going to make these things. I just need an avenue to show them and yeah. a place to show them and how to show them. And uh, ultimately... That's what I'm interested in. I obviously I would 100% love and support any kind of financial flotation that could help <laughs> that. But the reality is, like this bench is, you know, uh, something people can purchase. If they tell me where to put it, it can be in their house. It can be in, on a street. It could be in a bus stop. It could be wherever they tell me within reason. You know, I'm gonna. Um, Make one and put it in that place uh, because there is a need for people just resting. You know, like I've, I've, I've driven around the city enough to, to see that, like, there's just not resting spots. And that comes with a whole nother connotation of issues. But my art can service and purpose that mm -hmm. vice versa to me also just being interesting, uh, interested in seeing something that might get somebody to pay attention to a, a an atmosphere that they're in uh so i don't know 
I, I think ultimately if your podcast is clearly offering people dialogue and a discussion around something that um, they might not, you know, we wouldn't have this exposure otherwise. There's, you know, no one's going to come through the show and ask us to do a podcast other than you. Mm-hmm. You're really servicing a thing inside of the community. No, I, I appreciate helpful. that. I appreciate that, but I also get so much out of it. I mean, it's yeah. really just the fucking networking scam. It 100%, this is how it started. It was like 100% transparent, like, hey, I'm trying to meet people. And, sure. the, it, you know, and it's just a lot. It's well, like. Well, you a, also make work. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it, I mean, it, that's, I mean, if I didn't make work, I don't know if I'd be that interested in networking that hard. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, and I think that I feel like there has to be an audience for something like this. Who knows? But like, I don't, I don't know that there, I mean, there's definitely other art podcasts, uh, but we'll see, you know, like the, the, uh, the fact that there are other podcasts just means that they can work, right? Like it's not, it's that the, the interesting thing about this kind of content creation space is that it's not like when someone works in the same space, that's not your competition. That is an audience that you haven't tapped into. So you could have them on the show. Like, it's like, it really is, it's a very strange economy of, of like, and like, and it's almost hard not to get caught up in like the ambition of it. Right. Where, yeah. where it's like, you start to see things go well and you're like, you st- once you st- start to get that reinforcement, it almost like stresses you out a little bit, you know? Cause you're like, you're like, Oh, 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 yeah. inch it, inch it closer. Yeah. I have, to, yeah, I have <laughs> to get the next newest thing. I have to like yeah. in a certain way, but I've never really understood that about the art world in general, which is like, it's not a competition. It's so funny that we, we put that on it. And yeah. yet I think you know, in, your I, success doesn't take away from my success, but I don't it think our, our that, scene is our scene. The scene that we're documenting right now is like that, like that. Sure. Yeah. It's very welcoming. I, it, when you say the art world, I think it's more of like the, the Biden, <laughs> yeah, it's the upper echelon, At the blue chip sure. echelon, you, you know, cause that, that is where it like, when you're dealing with that much money, it's fucking life changing, you know, can I can't imagine, I cannot imagine the pressure of depending on my art and being creative to feed myself. Can you imagine that shit? Like, just like, Oh my God, if I don't make a piece that sells, I'm not going to get like 10 grand and I'm not going to be able to last for this many months. 10 grand shit, millions yeah. of dollars. Yeah. But I, I'm just choosing not to engage that world. And yeah. I, I don't, it's not interesting to me to, to go there, but I can only, I can only sympathize with how hard it must be to make a cookie. And then everyone comes to you and says, I want that cookie. You said, "Well, that cookie's only chocolate chip," and they said, well, "I want all your chocolate chip cookies." And so, and you just keep making chocolate chip cookies, and then uh, that's you. You like, I really want to switch it up and make like a fucking Takira, you know? You, yeah, and you just and you uh, eventually you are making variations of a cookie, but you are mm-hmm. still making the cookie, and we all know you're doing that. And then you get what's fucked up is you get deeply involved in this. It's not a pyramid scheme, but it is tax evasion. Like when you it's get it money laundering at the very best. At the best. Yeah. And we've all we all know how this works. And I don't necessarily want to serve those people. You know, like I, I don't want that necessarily to be my audience. I like my audience being other artists sometimes, you know. 
Yeah, like I mean, that, the, the fucked up part is that that, that doesn't bring money financial <laughs> that's why i do it the yeah. podcast <laughs> yeah and how do you reconcile that yeah. you know for myself i chose to have a day job i will continue to have a day job that's just a thing that i do to be able to to kind of yeah. like facilitate my projects but it's and i have to say this inside of la now after a couple of years it is an exhausting conversation where it's like are you an artist yes do you make a living off your art mm -hmm. no yeah but then are you an artist yeah, I don't I just hang don't, out with that I just that don't want to fucking yeah. engage at all because that's just such a limited view of what we're doing while we're trying to do it. And um, that's also such a uh, invalidating way to approach labor, right? Like if you, if if the the only labor that's worth anything to me is the work that I do that gets money, then most of my life, the things that have made me most miserable, <laughs> are the things that have most value. <laughs> And like, how the fuck are you? Like, seriously, does that that yeah. doesn't make any sense? That's a good point. I like it. So I I just thought of it right now, but I, I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling it. <laughs> yeah, no, that works. Um, well, cool, man. I we've been going for a while, and yeah. um, it's like uh, it's it's one twenty seven. So I'm more if more than anything, good. I'm worried about running out of batteries on cameras. If you're good, I'm yeah, good. yeah. Um, I would love to come back. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely. I'm I, I'm. I, this is all about starting relationships. Yeah. Dude. Um. No. So anyway, what can we promote for you? We are here at Modest Modest Common. Modest Commons, and this shows all my friends are architecture. Megan Muller organized it. Uh, there are nine uh, amazing artists in the show. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you. I'm, I'm excited that you guys are somewhat like uh, encouraging me and supportive of me because because. Uh, you know, sometimes you get an idea and you don't know if it's like, if it's at all interesting, but it seems like you guys are into it. So, I mean, it, like my whole thing is like, there's scenes like this in LA everywhere. And I'm sure that people may be interested in like wanting to know how this scene works, you know? Yeah. And I, you're servicing a population that I think it just needs, you know, like we know that we need to put on shows for, I mean, seven of the artists on there, one of them has never shown before in a gallery space, uh, need shows. Yeah. That's why we do what we do. Yeah. And we need this dialogue. We yeah, need yeah. to have interviews and conversations and talk with people because, you know, hyper allergic may or may not come through. Yeah. <laughs> but we know for sure. But I can't wait to be so big that no one can get on the show like. Yeah, exactly. What's my thesis? We'll hit you up in the DMs and you're going to have a fucking interview. It's cool, man. I mean, that's beautiful. I I don't, you know, for no other reason than that, I, I think it's a really nice thing that you offer. And I cool. think that it's part of a larger um, ecosystem that needs that needs that development because we have to give it to each other yeah you know no definitely hopefully i'll get rich off of it too yeah. well <laughs> if you're lucky <laughs> just will it into existence god damn it <laughs> all right man cool thank you so much yeah. what can we promote for you you're at, at samuel sharf yep samuelsharf.com um my instagram is kind of a loose idea of my studio practice and then um, also at Samuel Sharp, and then um, come by and see the show. Uh, it probably will close before this 
uh, airs, podcast yeah. airs, but but we still yeah. plug shows so that people know that motherfuckers are doing shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you know, I think everybody on that list behind you would be really open and happy to have a studio visit. Yeah, for sure. So hit hit them up. You yeah, know, let, let's start that kind of engagement yeah, yeah. where like I'm always trying to uh, find also get introduced into broader communities because everybody is sort of everybody has their community but no one's like a click no one's intentionally a click right yeah so like i think that when you try to reach out people are always like oh yeah no yeah because everybody wants to expand their social circle in this scene it's and, a very friendly scene and something about this show specifically is we're in a space that is an architecture forward space mm -hmm. that's how they started they came to us because they were like we want an art kind of artist forward engagement mm -hmm. and then we also have and megan specifically a, a very kind of common interest in artists dealing with architecture well the, your la space. the last show was called was called uh infrastructure levels there it goes. exactly so so they knew that they could get us to come here and do a show that would kind of melded those two worlds so yeah. that's already happening yeah and now this is happening and i think yeah. that that that's a really beautiful kind of moment of um yeah, just the DIY scene and, and making sure that, like... There's there's passion to spare. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, All thank right. you guys so much for watching. Thank you for being on the show. And uh, we'll check you out next week with another artist that has another topic that will uh, be interesting, hopefully. <laughs> not just for It's them. not a guarantee. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> guarantee I won't post bad episodes. <laughs> All, All right. right. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you.